Well, good morning again. And um, you all should be very thankful that I teach Sunday school class. And the reason is, is uh, my watch wasn't working today. And I got it. I hit it. And I, I have a watch I just wear on Sunday morning. And it has a battery in it. And I thought maybe the battery just needs, I don't know. I hit it. And it started working, set the time. And so the bell went off in our Sunday school class. And I said to my class, I said, my watch is showing 1020. What time is it? And they said, uh, well, I won't tell you. Karen said it was 10, 4, 1020. So she affirmed that. So I thought, well, this is really going slow today. And somebody else said, no, Jim, it's 1045. I said, okay. So you all should be thankful. I don't have my watch on. Karen, sorry about that. I love you. But So you all should be glad that I had that to work out the bugs. So we're going to start a little bit early today. I think you're going to get out a little bit early. Uh, surprise the Methodists down at the restaurants. So that'll be good. If you show up, they'll wonder what happened. We're going to preach today, and uh, and we're going to have the second, the second of three messages on the Good Shepherd. And these warm my heart. Um, I've I've really I've uh, I wouldn't say I wrestled with the scriptures this week, but I've I've really uh, worked with how to present it to you. And I'm just going to present it simply. These are wonderful passages of Scripture about our Lord. In fact, if you watch the bumper video, you will notice that in the last two weeks, we've covered two of the I am statements. That Jesus said, I am the door, the gate. And today he'll say, I am the good shepherd. And so we preached one sermon on the good shepherd last uh, two weeks ago today and, and today and then another next week. And don't miss the one next week either, because the next week, the good shepherd tells us that he never lets us go. We're eternally secure. Boy, we need that, don't we? Don't we need that? But we need this today, too. John chapter 10, 11 through 18. The words of our Lord who said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he's not the shepherd... And doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he's a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. I am a good shepherd. I know my own. My own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. I lay down my life for the sheep. But I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. And then there will be one flock, one shepherd. This is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down, and I have the right to take it up again. I have received this command from my Father. Father, speak to us through these words. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, sheep are cute, you saw in the video. Uh, you know, they played that down at SunQuest, and they've used that downstairs. It's very relevant to us. I, I think the best thing that you and I can say is we want to be a sheep. We want to follow a good shepherd. That's the best goal that you and I can have. We don't want to be the goat that's out doing his own thing because they always seem to get in trouble of some sort. We know that sheep are cute, but they're not that smart. 
all kinds of great books have been written on him. I referenced, gave reference to you, Philip Keller, who wrote uh, the book, The Shepherd's Psalm. You ought to read it. You, you, ought to, you ought to get this little simple book. It talks about the 23rd Psalm, where David says, the Lord is my shepherd. And so the Bible teaches that God is the shepherd of his people and we're the sheep of the pasture. And there's some good analogies. And I don't want to offend you, but uh, we're like sheep. You, you know that. It's not an accident that God calls us sheep. He didn't just need the shepherd metaphor. He knows exactly how we are. Uh, sheep kind of have a mass mind where one goes, all the rest of them go. If one will get in trouble, they will usually all get in trouble. They're easily led astray. They can get lost. I didn't know this. And uh, years ago, Brother Daryl Richardson had little sheep. And I asked him one day, I said, can, is this really true? Can a sheep really lay on his back and drown? And he said, they can. They can lay on their back in a rainstorm and drown. So you say, well, they're not very smart, are they? No, they're not. They have this, they have this mentality about them. They're stubborn. They're fearful. They're timid. They're self-destructive. They'll do things that destroy themselves. They have to be properly cared for. They have to be led. Now, I know some of you, I, I'm telling you, part of me is saying, I'm not like that. I'm not quite that stupid. I'm not that quite easily misled. Maybe on some days I would even say I don't need that kind of leadership. But the Bible teaches us that we do. That that's how we are. Jesus had just dealt with this blind man in the temple. He had dealt with the Pharisees who basically threw the man out of the temple because he wasn't the guy that they thought he ought to be, that Jesus wasn't a real teacher, that they had the real authority of the law. So Jesus now is giving us a lesson that he reiterates time and time again. And he says to us, I'm a good shepherd. I'm, I am the good shepherd. In fact, uh, last week he gave us two characteristics. He said, first of all, that a good shepherd, that he's, that, that he's, He's the real, he's the real shepherd. He said that all the other sheep, that, that there are other shepherds that get into the sheep pen by false means. You know, I remember the story, I told you how, how at night they would hire a shepherd to look after the sheep. They would herd all the sheep into the pen. And there would be one shepherd who would look after all the sheep at night. And the next morning when they got ready to leave again, all the shepherds would come back and round up their sheep. And what they would do is, is the, the hired shepherd knew who the real shepherd was and he would let him in. And then he would go in there and lead the sheep out, his sheep out. And Jesus said, I'm the real shepherd. There are a lot of false people that end up in the sheep pen, but I'm the real one. And then he said last week, he said, that I'm the gate. That I'm the, I'm the gate by which all the sheep go through. The, the shepherd would lay 
at the gate at night. If he didn't have a physical gate, he may have a physical gate, but then he would still lay there. You, you know, that strikes me as really odd. It's true about the Middle Eastern shepherds. They would literally sleep there. Now, in today's business, we would, we would do something like that, but we would get all the sheep in there. We'd get them something to eat, something to drink. We'd pat them on the head, say, see you in the morning, guys. Hope everything goes good. That's kind of the way we would do it in America today. But not in that day. They would have a shepherd who literally laid at the gate. That the sheep didn't come or go unless he walked over the shepherd. Jesus said, I'm, that's who I am. The gate, the sheep literally get into the pen through me. And so you see that. The one way to salvation that Jesus has. So that's what he's already taught us. So today he goes even more. And he says, I'm a good shepherd. More characteristics. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd, one of the characteristics is he lays down his life for the sheep. So number one is just that. That he lays down his life for the sheep. What's a good shepherd? Well, a good shepherd is a shepherd that cares for the sheep. Has real concern for them in their heart. Who has no other motive other than their well-being. Jesus is saying, now, now church, I want you to grasp this. Here, here we have the Son of God in our midst who's saying to us, I am a good shepherd. I have nothing but the well-being of the sheep in my concern. That's why I'm here. In fact, he said that so much, he said, I will lay down my life for the sheep. He's a good shepherd. Over in Matthew chapter 9, when he began his ministry. You know, I never, I've read these passages hundreds of times back and forth, but I never correlated the two. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, Jesus was beginning his earthly ministry. He was going around to all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion on them because they were distressed and dejected like a sheep without a shepherd. So when Jesus began his ministry, he went out and started seeing the people in the world. Now, he came from heaven. He had been living on earth for 29 or 30 years. He'd been walking with people every day. But when he went out and began ministering to them, he began to see the hurt and the pain and the distress in the lives of people. That really touches my heart. And they said that he was moved to compassion. The Greek word means that he was moved to compassion, that he that he felt it deep in his stomach. Have you ever been moved where you just felt unsettled in your stomach? When Jesus saw the hurt and the pain, he was moved deep in himself. And he said it was like they were the people were like a sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. So today in John, he says, I'm a good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. I've come into the world. I'm going to make a difference for the sheep. I'm going to change the conditions for the sheep. In fact, he says that he's such a good shepherd that he'll lay down his life for the sheep. He, he will give up his life. And he compares that against the hired hand. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep. He leaves them, runs away when he sees a wolf coming. 
Jesus owns us. He has possession for us. He has, we, we have value in his life. He's not just some person. He's not some faraway God that is unapproachable and unaccessible or uncaring. He's not just somebody that demands and, and makes you do and, and makes you feel guilty and, and, and runs you to death. That's not who he is. He said, that's the way all the other hired hands are. In fact, he said, some hired hands are so much so that when the wolf comes, the hired hand leaves. But the shepherd, not a good shepherd, he'll stand in the way of the wolf. He'll, he'll stop the wolf. And you say, well, I, I don't know what that is about. Jesus is talking about the Pharisees in the temple. He's saying all these people that have control of our people, they aren't good shepherds. They don't have their best interest. They don't, they don't have anything of value for them. They want stuff for themselves. They're holy and righteous because it's going to get them somewhere. They make everybody else feel bad because they want to feel good. They don't have a desire. You know, we have all kinds of things we follow. I mean, we have friends that will abandon us. We have friends that we, they seem like good friends. We used to call them in my day fair weather friends. As long as the weather was good and everything was good, they're your friend. But when something goes bad, they're gone. That's not the way Jesus is. He's a good shepherd. He's always there. In fact, he says, I'm so much a good shepherd that I'll lay down my life for the sheep. He'll give his life up for the sheep. Sin. Sin's a hireling. A lot of people follow sin. They follow their own lifestyle, their own way of doing things. They think it's fun or it's, it's pleasing. You know, I'm not just some preacher up here telling you this stuff I've experienced. I'll tell you, you, you can follow after all this stuff all your life. It'll never get you anywhere. You can go after success, or you can go after money, or you can go after fame, or you can go after sex, or you can go after possessions. In the end, they're all going to be gone. At the end of the day, the people that follow those things die broken and alone. They don't have anything. We follow Christ, the good shepherd. He'll lay down his life for us. That's a powerful statement. He has the good of the sheep. I want, I want you to notice something, the repetition in this passage. If you have your Bible, look at it. Five times. I mean, I read, I read seven verses. Five times Jesus says, the good shepherd lays down his life in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. In verse 15, I lay down my life for the sheep. And down in verse 17, uh, that is why the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so I might take it up again. Nobody takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. You see, central to Christ's ministry here is the fact that he's going to lay down his life for you and me. That's really powerful. He didn't come to exalt himself. He didn't come from heaven to show us how big God is and how little. And, and so he came to lay down his life for us. There's no more tender picture of Jesus than this. The good shepherd. He lays down his life for the sheep. Number two. The good shepherd. And they know him. He knows his sheep and they know him. Listen to verse 14 and 15. 
I am the good shepherd. He repeats that again. I know my own and my own know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I lay down my life for the sheep. Um, in contrast with the good shepherd, with the with hireling, the good shepherd has an intimacy and a personal involvement with the good sheep. The hireling has no concern. The Pharisees had no concern for the people of Israel. They had no concern over their spiritual welfare. They weren't looking after them. They weren't watching after them. They weren't concerned about them. They were concerned about their own things. The things that we follow often foolishly have no concern after us. But Jesus, he desired that. He desired that intimacy and that personal relationship. No, I know my sheep. I know my own. Over, over, over in, um, in, in verse, uh, three, he said, he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. I, I'm really touched by that. That Christ knows my name. He knows who I am. I'm not some mindless, nameless Christian that believes him and follows him and, and, and talks about him, but he knows me. He personally knows me. It speaks of an intimate relationship with me. It's not like he just has some casual acquaintance, like I, I know somebody that I saw five years ago. He knows his sheep personally. If, if you're a follower of Christ, that's why, you know, uh, somebody might come in off the street and say, I don't ever want to be called a sheep. That's why if you know Jesus and if you know our relationship to him, you're, you want to be called a sheep because he knows you and he seeks after you. He loves you. He knows our name. Remember when he called little Zacchaeus by the, Little Zacchaeus, we always talk about up on the tree, got up in the tree. Jesus came down, the worst sinner in town, the guy that nobody else in town would have anything to do with. Jesus was followed by a big flock of people. He could have talked to anybody he wanted to. Little Zacchaeus climbs up the tree, a tax collector. He wanted to see him. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. I want to go into your home and have lunch with you today. He saw him out. That's the kind of guy he is. That's who he is. That's what a good shepherd means. If ever you get lost, you guys go to a big school. Nick, you went to a big college. I mean, they had your name on a computer. They didn't really know who you were. I mean, they knew that you had either paid or you hadn't paid. They knew what grades you had, but they don't really know you. The good shepherd knows you. He knows our nature. See, that's what's amazing is a good shepherd knows my nature. He knows who I am. He knows my strengths. The few of them, and he knows my weaknesses, the many of them. He knows my flaws. He knows my sins. He knows the things that I keep doing when I shouldn't. He knows the things that he has to struggle with me over. And yet he still loves me. He still seeks after me. He still desires a relationship with me. He still does things continually to draw me closer to him. He knows me. He knows you. Same way. He knows your needs. You often don't, I mean, I would say, uh, day to day, I often don't even know my needs. But the good shepherd knows your needs. He knows what you need. He knows where you hurt and where you're strong and where you're weak. He knows what you need to build you up. 
he knows that it is the nature of sheep to be fearful. So when we face a crisis, often the good shepherd gives us assurance. I've seen countless Christians in the throes of a terrible crisis in their life. And they're just as calm as they could be. Because the good shepherd sent them hope and assurance and peace when they need it the most. Even sometimes when their families don't have it, they have it. In fact, I think, I think God conveys peace from people who are very, very sick. He often conveys peace to their families. It's the peace that God gave them. You know, Jesus would say that later in the book of John. He said, I'm going to bring you peace, not as the world gives, but an entirely different kind of peace. Because the world, I mean, we have peace if we don't have war. That's our idea. If, if, if a nation is not at war with each other, we have peace. If a, if a husband and a wife is not at war with each other, then they have peace. But not according to Jesus. Jesus gives peace not like the world's. It's entirely different. He knows who you are. He knows your needs. If, if you ever read the 23rd Psalm, you ought to do that. I've had the privilege of reading that several times. I've almost wanted to add another Sunday and preach on it, but I, I don't know that I am right now. But anyway, if you connect the first verse and the sixth verse, you'll get the main theme. That the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want all the days of my life. Can you believe that? The good shepherd satisfies our needs all the days of our life. It's a satisfied. It's not, it's not like a, it's not like a, a wealth that you give away. It's not like something you earn and achieve. It's just like something you've been given and it's completely sufficient. That's what he gives you. So he knows you. He knows your sin. He knows your shortcomings. He knows your strengths. He knows us. And we know him. Say, I like that. That, that we know him. That we know his voice. You know, I'm, I'm a sheep. But I'll tell you, there's times that the shepherd can speak to me. And I know that's him. I know that's him. I've had some of those very clear directives in my life. Some of them have been really good and some of them have been very uncomfortable. <laughs> but he speaks to us. He knows us. We know him. That's, that's why you and I need to be, we need to be cultivating to know him. We need to get into his word and we need to sit before him in prayer. And we need to understand what he says to us. We need to be able to hear his word and, and apply it to our life. We need to know him. We ought to say, we ought to measure our life by how much more we know about him. And maybe, maybe you don't know him very well. Maybe you know him kind of casually. But I will tell you that if you'll spend time with him, if you'll get into his word, if you'll just let him, he'll teach you lots of things about him. But Jesus said that, that it's my own know me. You know, I get asked a lot, Jim, how, how do you know that you're saved? How do you know that you're a Christian? And, and you know, I asked that question for years. I mean, years. I asked that question in my life. You know what I finally found the answer was? The answer was when God didn't make me ask that question anymore. I was satisfied. 
I knew him. I know I have my doubts. I have my days. But I always come back that I know him. That's my experience. That's what I say. I know him. I know what he's done. I know what he's been there. I know what he said. I know how he's led me. I know him. So I don't have to worry about it. I do have my doubts. But I don't have to worry about it. We are drawn back to him often. Number three. The good shepherd gathers sheep from everywhere. You see, the Jews thought they were it. They were God's people. Nobody else was God's people. Nobody else had access to God but them. Nobody else would have salvation. No, the Messiah would not come for anybody else. Jesus said, no, he, he was, he, he really rattled them. He shook their world up. He said in verse 16, but I have other sheep that are not from this sheep pen. My last name is Khan. I don't know if you figured that out. I'm probably Jewish. I probably, um, pretty directly Jewish. When I was in seminary, I was writing my thesis and I was writing it on the inspiration of scripture and I went, I thought I was, I was gonna go and, um, uh, I was writing about what other, what the other major religions said about their holy scriptures. And I went to the, I went to the, uh, rabbi in Western Salem and he's got the same last name as mine. He said, what in the world are you doing being a Baptist preacher? <laughs> That's what he said to me. And I said, well, I found the Lord. He says, well, I guess I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> you see, the Jews felt like they were it. But I don't really feel like I'm one of God's children. You know, I, I didn't feel like I was born a Jew. So, so when I hear that, um, I feel like I'm in the Bible. Because he says... I'm not really of the pen that all these other people are, but I'm coming to draw those other sheep into the pen. Um, I, I've always kind of felt like I'm one of the other sheep. Have you ever felt like that? See, he came for you. That's what he came for. He didn't come for the people that the world liked, was popular and everybody thought was great. He didn't come for all the high and the mighty, all the big leaders. He didn't come for all. He came for them too. But he came for everybody. You see, that's, that's a remarkably open scripture when he says, I come from, for all the sheep, for the sheep from the other pen. And so that when he comes, there's just going to be one pen and one shepherd. That's a wonderful thing. You know, when we go to heaven, heaven is going to be like this, only different. It's going to be filled with people from everywhere, all different colors. All different races, all different religions, all people that found Christ, they're the, they're the people that he gathers in. You know, there, there are going to be people that we come that are from cultures that are so different from us, but we're going to have the same shepherd. And we're going to all be sheep with the same problems and the same difficulties. And we're going to realize that God saved us the same way he saved them. You know, I, that's, that's a great way to get rid of your prejudice. If you ever, if you ever think, well, you know, um, whether it's our religion or whether it's our class or whether it's our race or whether it's our nationality or whether it's, it's whatever it is, God will eliminate all of those things because all of us were lost before he came into our lives. We were all desperately lost. And he's going to save us. He says, he says, I, I come. So there'll be one flock and one shepherd. I have other sheep that are not from this pen. I love that. Other sheep. 
I'm, I'm glad our shepherd didn't sheep, seek after the sheep that everybody else did. You know, there's some people that seem to get it all. They have everything. And there are some people, they don't seem to have anything. A good shepherd came for them. Came for all of us. He loves us all. You, if you're here today, if you're alive, he came for you. I want you to know that. That's what he wants. That's what he tells us. Number four. The good shepherd takes up his life again. Verses 17 and 18. You can't, you just can't miss it. That's why the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. Jesus didn't die as a martyr. He didn't give his life up or people didn't take it away from him and he died for a cause. He voluntarily gave his life up. That's the message of scripture. He was preparing his listeners for his death. He knew that it would be a big mob scene and they would come and get him and drag him away. He understood all that. And he didn't want people to misunderstand the circumstances. He didn't want them to think the Jews did it or the Romans did it or that anybody did it. He said he voluntarily laid his life down. That was the purpose that he came for. God decreed from the beginning. In fact, Ephesians 1 says before the foundation of the world. Before God ever laid the foundation for the world, he created the plan of salvation to redeem it. That's how much he loves you and me. That was Paul's message there. He wanted us to understand that we were deeply and powerfully loved. So he he laid down his life for us. And then he said, not only would he lay it down now, now we know of people that lay down their life, but he said that God, that Christ would have the power. He said, he laid it down so that he might take it up again. There, those are both very intentional acts. He laid it down and took it back up. In other words, Christ had the power to lay it down. He had the power to defeat death. To, 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 that's a powerful statement right there. There's a lot of people lay down their life for some other cause, but there's nobody that takes it back up. That made him distinctive in the nation of Israel, distinctive in the world. In fact, it said he had the right to do that. He has a right to do that because of his relationship with the Father. And, and you can debate with the theologians and we could match scriptures. There are scriptures in the Bible that says he gave it up or that, that, that the Father did it or that he did it. But the, the fact is, is that Jesus said that he and the Father's will were perfectly aligned. Whatever the Father wanted, he wanted. Boy, that's, that's my prayer. I, I don't ever get there, but I would love to get to the point that whatever God wants in my life, that's what I want. You see, I find myself, God wants one thing and I want something else. And then there's got to be a correction process. And I'm not correcting God, by the way. He's correcting me. And that's the way that works. So he works and works. And sometimes I get lined up with that and sometimes I don't. But Jesus and the Father were perfectly aligned. So that where he laid down his life, he would have the power to pick it back up. And that was exactly what God wanted him to do. Okay. If Jesus, I finish up this morning. If Jesus said he's the door or the gate, we would expect some kind of division. In other words, there's going to be some sheep in the pen and there are going to be sheep outside the pen. That's a clear fact of his ministry. Is that there are going to be people in the pen that he would call his sheep, that he knows them personally and intimately and their sheep that are not in the pen. They have made a choice not follow him. They have chose to follow a hireling in his word, not mine. 
and they choose that. So we have to understand that there's a clear distinction here with the good shepherd. He is a good shepherd. He loves you. He desires you. He will call your name out. He seeks to walk with you every day. That's what he wants. But he will honor your choice. You see, one of the, we, we talked this morning about the, the image of man and the way we are created. We are created in the image of God. And we have the characteristics of God just not brought to full fruition. But one of the most powerful and the, one of the most significant is the, the, the choice. We can choose. I mean, we can choose anything that we want. Man has the ability to create and to imagine and, and, and to think almost like God. Almost, not quite. We can think so much that we can reject God. And God will honor that. But he says that if we accept him as the good shepherd, if we honor who he is, if we recognize his right and his ability to control our life. And then if we will just submit to him. You know, there's a lot of folks today, and I, and I did this for years. I would, I would acknowledge that he shepherded my life. I just didn't want him to have any control over my life. That's a difficult process for God. Well, it's a difficult process for me. It's not for God. But he wants to control our life as well. So my prayer today is that you recognize that he's the good shepherd. That he loves you. That he calls after your name. That he came into the world to establish a relationship with you personally. And that you follow him. That you submit to him. And you say, Lord, whatever as my shepherd you want to do, you may do. I want to follow you. And know that he loves you and he cares for you. And he will nurture you throughout this life. And then when you leave this life, he will take you into his presence in heaven. What a wonderful, wonderful relationship that is. That's the good shepherd. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I laid out my life for the sheep. That's how much he loves you. Let that be your prayer today. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that you'll speak to us through it. If there's one here, Lord, that doesn't know you, I pray that they will accept you today. They will acknowledge that you're the shepherd of their life. And whatever that means. That we'll come to you in simple faith. In Jesus' name we pray.